Well, we're going to read this psalm through and then make some comments about it. So, Psalm 103. And it begins with a call to praise. Praise the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. A call to praise. Then David, the author, King David, writes about the personal mercy that David has received from God. And he begins to recount them. Forget not all his benefits. The one who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. These are experiences. David's recalling the personal mercies of God in his own life. Then he shifts to God's work and God's attributes in dealing with his people in general as those who struggle and sin and disobey and don't get things right. He says, the Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. Really meaning, it's not just that he makes things right, but he makes us righteous. It is God, it is Christ's righteousness that is to be received, that is within us because we receive it from Christ. It's his righteousness that makes us right. So it's not that he, he, he makes everything around us, the circumstances, that that will happen also, but he, he makes his people righteous in Christ. And then he goes on, the Lord not only works his righteousness and justice for all the oppressed, he made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love in spite of their struggle and their disobedience. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repays according to our iniquities. Kind of think that some kind of amen in the midst of all of that would be an appropriate response. He doesn't hold things against us. Some of us think he does. But he doesn't. In Christ, there is no holding against us the sin. For Christ has taken hold of it. We'll talk about it in a bit. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repays according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed from our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. And so David's talking about God's, God's ministry to the whole people of God. That's you included. All of this is for you. It's not just David's personal experience, but he, he recalls what God has done in the people of God and among humanity. And then he speaks in the next verse about God's work and God's attributes in dealing with mortal humanity. The fact that we're only here for a fragile, finite time. And then we're gone. And to that fragile finite mortal humanity he says for god knows how we're formed he remembers that we're dust the life of mortals is like grass they flourish like a flower of the field the wind blows over it and it is gone and its place remembers it no more and if you stopped there you'd get a bit depressed 
But it doesn't stop there because we are not part of a finite kingdom. We are part of an eternal kingdom, the kingdom of God. And so he goes on to say, but from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness with their children's children, with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. For the Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. This is our God, the eternal God. This is not just for the here and now. It's this finite time, although in our humanity and our mortality, we have to reckon with that. But we reckon with it in Christ, who leads us into that life eternal. And then David calls us back to praise again as he finishes. In light of all this, and in light of all God's mercies, praise the Lord, you his angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his word. Praise the Lord, all his heavenly hosts, you his servants who do his will. Praise the Lord, all his works, everywhere in his dominion. Praise the Lord, my soul. And it's kind of this great orchestra of all creation, including us all gathered together, giving praise, for this is our God. I am so tempted to just say amen. And finish. <laughs> so we didn't get an amen for that, but not for the other stuff. Did what a great song. This is our God. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. Now, I'm, I'm going to cut a lot of uh, what I originally planned to say out. Um, just because. Well, I'll, I'll explain as I go. But let me just highlight a few things before we move to a time of praying for those who may need prayer this morning. Forget not all his benefits, David says. All the mercies, the loving heart and hands of God, who he is and how he works, that he is with us and he ministers to us. Let's not forget. We're terrible forgetters. Let's remember intentionally the one who forgives our sins david understood the weight of his own sinfulness his own wrongdoing he knew it could bring him such shame and guilt division separation isolation destruction if you want to read anything about that go to psalm 51 where david says psalm 51 3 my sin is always before me at a point in his life where Almost the weight of his sin was overbearing. He felt like it was just always before him. David understood the weight of sin. But here he's celebrating the truth of forgiveness. People of God, we, even those of us who have been Christians for some time, need to take hold again of forgiveness. We're forgiven. We're a forgiven people. Whatever you have brought to the table of sin or wrongdoing, God forgives it. But we can't live under under its weight and curse, God forgives us of it. And in Christ, we receive his righteousness. I, honestly, on my own, I'm pretty rubbish. I know you struggle to believe that, but I'm, I, I'm pretty poor. But I'm not on my own. I am in Christ. And it is him that is changing me. But I'm forgiven. And I'm not carrying the weight of what has been. I'm living into and rising into the forgiveness of God. 
And we need to hear that. Because even when we've been Christians for some time, we often go back and resurrect it when Jesus has already put it into the grave. He celebrates the forgiveness of God, even in verse 12, as far as the east is from the west. Now, I'm no geographer, but that's quite far. The east from the west. I don't think you can get much further if you just keep going from the east to the west. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our sins from us. Corrie Ten Boom said this, God takes our sins, the past, present, and future, and dumps them into the sea and puts up a sign that says, no fishing. No fishing. Why? Because we live into the life of God's forgiveness. It's, it's not cheap grace here. We understand the cost of this. Christ's death, we understand it. But our forgiveness comes in Christ so we can be liberated from the weight of sin and sins in our life. Not so that we can keep replaying them and placing them back on ourselves. The work of Christ on the cross, taking sin and sins to the grave and overcoming them in the resurrection means that he doesn't resurrect our sins when he's forgiven them. But as far as the east is from the west, he's forgiven us our sins. So I want to say to this church, and perhaps those of you who maybe are new to all of this, whatever our wrongdoing, whatever shame, sin, guilt we carry, God forgives us. And as we come to Christ, he wants to remove that from our lives so that we don't carry it around like a weight. And even for some of us, perhaps, who are long at this of what we call the way of faith, still need to hear that message of forgiveness as far as the east is from the west. And he heals all your diseases. Now, I had a big, long section here. And I was going to give you a great biblical theology of healing. And I was going to try and answer all the questions that often come up when we talk about healing, about why God does and doesn't at times like that. And as I got to Friday... I was wrestling about this section, and every time I went to it, I thought, Ian, you sound like you're stealing faith rather than giving faith. Now, if you have questions about healing, they're important, and I encourage you to come, and I'm happy to answer questions and, and talk with people. But I've ditched all that, that section, because I want us to hear about healing. I want us to talk about the God who heals today. And so Fred's sent me a message just to say, I'm praying for you, hope you're doing okay. By the way, had a great week at Refuel and amazing testimonies about healing. And I thought, that's it. And, and when I read it, I thought, I've been wrestling with this whole stuff that I've put together in one text message. I thought, that's all we need to hear. So I'm just going to ask Fred to come and talk about a lot of some of the testimonies spread this week about the healing of God. And I understand that people will have questions about this, but let's, let's talk about what God is doing now. Yeah, really quickly. So um, <clears throat> Refuel was a vision of a couple, Craig and Denise Mackay, about seven or eight years ago, that they could run a, a Christian festival, holiday festival, up in Castle Gordon uh, grounds, which is miles from anywhere, Fockabers. Um, up near Lossiemouth, which is somewhere I'd never even heard of. Uh, started with a couple of hundred folks. This, this year there was, I think, 1,400. Um, and my job at it this year, every morning and uh, evening session, I pretty much ran the platform. 
the kind of stage. So um, <clears throat> if I want to stop the worship to pray, if I thought we needed to call people forward for, um, for encountering Jesus or healing, then pretty much I was just given an open mic, which those here will know is, is a bad mistake to give me an open mic and no, and no time limit on it. So, so that's what we did. And um, every day, uh, every session, uh, it, it was counted. We had over 100 people came forward for prayer. Um, and just to give you two or three really quick examples. So as up um, first, uh, first day, um, I had this, this sense picture of uh, a, a guy with a badly damaged right arm with a metal plate in it that was causing him pain all the time that was waiting to see a consultant um, and wasn't sleeping because of it. And so I, so I called that forward and huge, hugely encouraging start uh, to Monday, nobody came forward for that um, at all. Um, and I mentioned it every day and, and nobody came forward. And then on the last day, I'm kind of going uh, to the platform stage thing and, uh, and this guy stopped me, said, can I show you something? And um, Usually, I'm a bit of an introvert, so normally I'd say, no, no thanks. Uh, um, or, or you get stopped by people all the time who, who just want you to pray for them. And um, I said, I all right. And, and he had a T-shirt on, and he put his arm like, up like that, and he had this huge scar down his right arm. And uh, he said, um, I was in a motorbike accident, and that scar is where the metal plate is in my right arm. And, uh, and I've been in huge pain with this pretty much since the time of the operation. I'm waiting to see a consultant uh, to get it healed. And I said to him, why did you not come forward? You know, without any judgment in my voice, but why did you not come forward? Um, and he said, well, because as you were speaking up on the platform, God took the pain away. Um, and, uh, and I can move it about. It's not, sore. It's not been sore since you mentioned it. Um, up on the stage, so uh, so that was that was fun. There was uh, somebody uh, during the worship. I kind of had the sense went up and said, um, "So there's somebody here, and you've got a really really bad shoulder, and you can't actually move the shoulder any higher. You can't move your arm any higher than this, or it causes you huge pain." And um, just want you to know that in the worship, God has just healed your shoulder. So. I want you to put your arm up like this. And, uh, and somebody did. And, and came forward to the mic to testify that up until yesterday morning, they had pain when they moved their arm any further than this. And the guy's going about going, and look at this, look at this, I can do, I can do this. Um, could hardly get him off the platform. And um, I had a, a, a sense of, of somebody that, the last thing they had done before they uh, came to refuel was they were sitting in their sitting room and uh, they were putting their phone down and they were in tears because somebody in their family had said something so hurtful to them that, uh, that had scarred their heart and their emotions. And um, I pretty much could see who that person was uh, and, and mentioned that. And this uh, woman came forward for counseling and prayer and said she'd had a big bust up with her daughter. And uh, her daughter had said something really kind of nasty to her. And, um, and she'd been in tears and wasn't sure whether she was going to come to refuel. And on the first morning, that uh, word from God 
that um, whatever had been said over her, what she needed to hear was that she was a beloved daughter of the king. Um, and, uh, and she was kind of healed of emotional trauma of that. So we, uh, over the week, um, I think eight, eight people became Christians and about 70 people testified to some sort of healing experience. And more than that, about 100 said they had encountered Jesus and uh, a faith that was kind of going nowhere. Uh, suddenly they'd had a, a new sense of, of the presence of God and a deep encounter that had changed them. Well, it's, it's important for us to hear uh, the stories and testimonies of, of God healing. We, we believe that, that God heals. And so uh, we're going to be praying for healing a little bit later on. don't know what I've done to that. It was, I think it needs healing. <laughs> so, uh, so we are we're going to pray for that, Lord. God heals. The God who heals all our diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love. Uh, you know, we use that phrase, this is the pits. We, we talk about use that when we're talking about things that are, are difficult, when we're struggling, when they aren't going well, or they're not going as we'd hoped for, or, we, or disappointment weighs on us. Those places where we feel we're stuck, we can't get out of, we're in the pits. And again, David was no stranger to this. Whether out of his own doing or someone else's doing, David regularly faced the pits. The, don't think you're the only one if sometimes you feel like you're in the pits. But he testifies here that God enters those places and lifts him out of and us out of and up, out from the pit, the mud, the mess, as Psalm 40 puts it. And he sets his feet on solid ground. That's, that's what God does. He enters the pit and, and that's to lift us up and set our feet. Some, sometimes we resign ourselves to the pit. I wonder even if, if some of us have partnered with that. We've made an agreement somehow that, that that's just the way life is. Friends, I want to encourage you to break partnership and agreement with that lie that that place in the pits is all you're going to get. I, I don't believe that's true. The Bible doesn't believe that that's true. But that God wants to lift us out of the pit to set us on solid ground. Not only does he redeem us from the pit, but he crowns us with love. Isn't that a great picture? So one minute, you got somebody who's in the pit. The next moment, not only are their feet in solid ground, but God is placing a crown on their head. This is my son. This is my daughter. Prince and princesses. The crown that God places. What an honor. From the pits to the crown that God bestows on us. A crown of love. He crowns us with love. Now, let me tell you, you can't earn this crown. Did you, did you notice it? it says, see how good you can get and then you'll get a crown of love. We'll give you a crown when you get to a certain standard. No, it's, it's not. We, you don't earn it. This is not a crown of merit. It's a crown of mercy. It's a huge difference. And, and God gives the crown of mercy to those who come to him. He would long to give the crown of mercy to all. That crown of love. It's not that we work at it and then we say, right, God, I, I, that's me. I've earned my crown of love. It is to be received from God. The love of God. 
The crown has to be received. Well, we're talking about kind of royal language. In Isaiah, it talks about the fact that our robes of righteousness are like filthy rags. You know, all the things we think that we're doing that are really good. But actually, they're not that great after all. But, but somehow, God takes our filthy rags and instead wraps his robe of righteousness around us, which is pure and holy and good. And again, it's something that we receive, not something that we can earn. All this royal language from the pit to a place where God crowns us. The crown of love is received, not earned. Every day, every moment of every day. It's what we ask for and receive from God. Not that somehow we can earn it. It's a powerful picture of the redeeming God from stuck in the pits to raised with a crown. Who does that speak to this morning, anyone about? Feeling as if you've just resigned yourself to the pits, when in fact what God wants you to receive is a crown of love from him. And that you might receive from him. And then finally, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth, your, your youth is renewed like the eagle's. There's a great tendency for us to satisfy our own desires with alternatives to God's good things. I, we'll, I'll, I'll satisfy them in the way that I would like to. Even destructive things, things that eat away at our lives. There's a, a phrase that, um, that goes something like garbage in, garbage out. So, so when we seek to satisfy ourselves with things that are not the good things from God, it's garbage in. And when garbage is coming in, that tends to be what flows out from us. But rather it's God who satisfies. He knows what we need. He knows what truly is desires, good desires of our heart, and he wants to give good things. What, what are we taking in? What are we, what are we taking in through our eyes, through our ears? What we watch, what we listen to? What do we entertain or dwell on in the theater of our minds? What do we give our time and energy and money to? What are we feeding on? Is it the good things of God or is it pretty much anything else? In our society, it feels like there's a longing for goodness, but if it's all right, we'll define goodness as we want to. But the goodness of God can't be defined except by God. The goodness that we need, that we really long for, is the goodness of God and he alone defines what that is. And it is in the good things of God who is good as he leads us into the good things that strength is renewed. Charles Spurgeon said, feed the soul with good and strength is renewed. What are we feeding ourselves with? The one who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle's. What are you satisfying your life with? Is it the good things of God? The God who is good? Or these are the things that renew our strength. Bless the Lord, all my soul, and all that is within me. Bless and praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul. Forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your sin and heals your disease.
who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. This is our God. The new lease of life that comes in Christ and the Spirit.